Are you ready to begin? I am. Okay, hi. (laughs) This is Sad Girl Syllabus, a commentary on media through the ages. Each season, we have a new syllabus to dive into. I'm Bethany. And I'm Mary. And we are two girls. Too sad. Let's dive into the syllabus. Yay. We got it. We remembered. (laughs) I remembered. I (laughs) didn't think I was going to. After a summer holiday. Yeah, it's like um, Catholic prayers. They're in there somewhere. You just have to start. I'm so afraid whenever there's a family gathering, I'm so afraid my mom is going to ask me to say grace because I'm afraid that I'm going to like mess up and forget the prayer. I know. I know. Come down. I'm like, I think I know. (laughs) I can really only remember the Hail Mary. I do. Hail Mary is. It's really easy for some reason. The glory be is one that I never can remember, even though it's the shortest. Yeah, I know. But I guess it's because I never would have said it unless it was a rosary. Yeah. Whereas like, yeah, the Hail Mary, like it drills it into you because you're saying that what, a hundred times? Yeah. That's I think. Right. Yeah. Because it's 10, 10 decades. Right. And 10 inside that. That's insane. You have to say it a hundred times. Anyway. Um. It's, I mean, it's just like, you know, manifestation, whatever. Um, oh, last night I saw a TikTok of this dude. He was like going mega viral because he was like, he was like, you guys, the 12 disciples are actually the Zodiac. <laughs> and then, you know what that bitch said? Judas. He, what? Is Judas considered a disciple? Yeah, Judas. Yeah. Or an apostle. Apostle, sorry, not a disciple, but an apostle. But that's oh. what, so this bitch was like because people started commenting like who's the Aquarius or who's the Virgo Mm -hmm. all this stuff and they were like who's the Pisces and he was like okay sorry Pisces but it's Judas (gasps) (laughs) I was like you fucking dick (laughs) um it's not like a Gemini come on (laughs) I know my astrology (laughs) Um, yeah. And he was like, it's because Judas, um, became detached from reality. He started not being able to see Jesus's miracles for what they were. And I was like, that's a fucking reach. Yeah. What, I could... Not Peter. He's a fisherman. Like <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> but it was like, because yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a bit of a reach. Although at the same time, I started thinking, I was like, okay, well, I guess I could go with that line of thought. If you think about like Pisces being the end of the Zodiac and like being the end of things Mm -hmm. and the end of a cycle and like Judas initiating that the end of Jesus's life. But that that even still is like stupid and illogical. I do not think Judas is Pisces. (laughs) I'll take it. I am Judas. That's a... trying to start something i guess i don't know yeah Yeah. (sighs) anyway um welcome back to sad girl syllabus no we took a bit of a break yeah a longer one for us a summer break had to get yeah as it should be yeah no more school no more teachers no more books um (laughs) whatever it is 
I'd say that wrong every time. Um, but we're back with a summer special season, I would say. Yeah. A uh, just for the end of for the end of summer, we're gonna just sort of recap the thematic vibes. <laughs> Because we're not actually recapping anything that you you or I did, but we're no. sort of recapping the the ethos of the summer. The ethos, yeah. Which is um, going to Europe, the summer holiday. Mm-hmm. This season um, is Americans abroad. Yeah, Americans in Europe in in France in the Mediterranean, sweating, <laughs> <laughs> and it. it <laughs> wedding and and it is americans abroad but there's also like but summer holiday is also a european thing as well Mm. and i would say that it's extremely different americans going abroad versus europeans going abroad because europeans well first of all it's less travel time (laughs) um i mean if you're like a french person like you just have to take a train down to the french riviera if you're an right. English person, you just have to like take a plane to Spain. Um, um, but but it's like much more, I don't know, Europeans understand that it's Europeans don't they work to live. Americans live to work, and Americans are like, like, I don't know, even on holiday, I feel like Americans have like agendas, which is oh, neurotic. Yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, they have to like, we have to see this and we have to see that. And then we have to go to that. Like, what's our day like? Um, There is no leisure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it, or if there is, it's like, oh, we wasted the trip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Also, it just feels like, well, I do have, we, part of my work, I work with a good amount of Europeans and they're always like, peace like we don't care (laughs) (laughs) I don't care how important this project is I don't care if we messed up and we owe you something we're out (laughs) it's holiday yeah yeah and I I mean Americans are like well I'm I'm gone but I'm still like available if you need me like I'll be answering emails the whole time like da 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 like I never actually take a break I'm dying in the hospital but yeah like yeah, let's yeah. set up a Zoom call uh <laughs> yeah totally the workaholic I um a friend of mine tweeted something about like um, uh, air conditioning in North America and she was like she was like air conditioning is is like a demon technology and like specifically she lives in Canada but um a similar similar sort of vibe she was like air conditioning in North America I'm paraphrasing but it was like it made it possible for people to work through the summer when that's like unnatural and bad that's a great (laughs) well you should just be sweating and like jumping into like on the body of water Yeah. yeah yeah exactly I'm gonna be talking about sweat a lot this season (laughs) (laughs) yeah um also because it's like that meme it's like this is the coldest summer of the rest of your life (sighs) (laughs) but yes i we are in a mega drought over here so are we Yeah. yeah yeah there was like um there's this 
Yeah, it's funny. The Rio Grande is like, like went dry for a couple days, um, just south of Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, and it, it's not it it hasn't. This is not the first time ever that it's run dry. Um, it was because we were in between monsoon seasons, mm. and so and and we had a mega drought, and then and then more rain came, and it was like better, but um, but it was pretty dire. But like, it's always funny. I've like been to some of the because now everything is more accessible in terms of city council stuff and like policy stuff. Like you can make your public comment to city council or whatever or the county stuff on Zoom. Right. And I personally would never go in person to one of those things like in the before times, like, cause why, why would I like make the time? But now I'm just like bored all the time anyway. So I like, actually I've gone to some of these zooms where you can like listen to the policy people talk about their shit and like whatever. And I don't know. It's just funny because there's always like 15 people on the zooms and I'm like, where's like the 4,000 other people who are like liking and sharing this like dire Instagram post about the river drying up kind of thing. So yeah. I don't know. I think like the it's disaster porn, disaster capitalism. So yeah. I don't know. That's also the undertone for summer. <laughs> we got like water restrictions. Oh yeah. Um, which obviously hit some places harder than others. I feel like all well, good chunks of LA are just complaining about their their grass being brown now so stupid um but yeah how does the water restriction work like do they shut do they find you if they see you using water or like are they cutting yeah. off supply um i think it's fine hmm. we're in an area that is just like it's it's we're not too restricted in our section like more area like there are different areas that are a lot more restricted and like, like my parents, where they live, it's, uh, it is more restricted of like, Oh, you shouldn't be doing this on X days. And ours yeah. is like, it seems largely just like watering the, <laughs> yeah. the yard and the, the our apartment complex, which I do think they got in trouble for um, because they were watering it like crazy. And then we got this notice that was like, we're going to audit your toilets Okay. Um, because we think there's like extra water usage and then no one ever came by. Um, so I think they must have gotten like dings for using too much water or something like that. Interesting. And they were trying to save some money on the the toilets. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Toilet um, audit. Never heard of it before. I think there was a mayor in Albuquerque several years ago, maybe like 10 years ago, um, who did like a toilet audit and then basically like offered significant subsidies and like tax, like property tax breaks. If you got a low flow toilet, oh. you installed a low flow toilet. And they also like gave out the low flow toilets for free, basically, to people right. who would like participate in the program. That's the way to do it. Yeah. And that's what my apartment complex has. Everybody has a low flow toilet. Yeah, this, it, what was confusing was that um, we don't, and they weren't going to change our toilets. They were just checking how much water was being used by the toilet. Okay. I don't know what they were, <laughs> I, I don't know what they were doing. Uh, 
But this is, I feel like all to say that I think some of this season does feel, at least to me, like the general idea, like sort of an escape, like an escapism season of like, oh, like this is what summer should be, or at least how we begin this season. I think it'll get a little bit different, but just ideas of like the romantic summer holiday and um, where you let go of worries and you and experience become, new culture and you become someone else. Yeah. Or yes. you like, or you get more in touch with who you actually are, who you can't be. Right. In real life. In your real life. I feel like yeah. my themes for this summer, I'll just lay it out for this season, the summer season escape, <laughs> repression, <laughs> freedom. <laughs> and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. And I think that there's differences because there's some of, so this season is also largely dominated by films. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that there's even subtle differences between, because some of them like, well, maybe it's just, um, maybe it's just the lost daughter is the only one that's that's a European on European holiday. Yeah. But, um, but there's, there's like subtle differences between like, um, yeah, just between the attitudes, um, of Americans being like, I don't know. Yeah. Sort of like letting loose and like, and being like, I can, and that's a total escape. Whereas like a mm-hmm. European, um, like a British person going to, southern italy is is it's sort of just like different it's like there's it's it's still an escape but it's more of like who am i in my soul kind of thing i guess yeah um yeah an exploration of, of self maybe we should read some lacan <laughs> some <laughs> psychoanalysis <laughs> extra credit <Lacan>. yeah <laughs> um yeah so that's exciting i did Personally, I did not go anywhere this summer, so <laughs> I'm like meta escaping <laughs> by, by watching these movies. I went I went across the country for a wedding, <laughs> and that was that was nice. Actually, it was a kind of an escape, but it did not last long enough. Yeah, yeah. What's what's really hard is like I live in a destination spot anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always just like, oh, I'm just going to go like drive to the lake. <laughs> like, but even like I, I say that in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, I don't need to like travel far. I can just like go somewhere like, oh, like in a day trip. We do that a lot too. Um, but it's not. Yeah. You don't have that like disjointedness. I think that yeah. sometimes is, is nice. New Mexico is really like. It is wild how many people are moving there. Yeah, it really is. It is nuts. Uh, mm. Sorry. Sorry <laughs> to you. <laughs> At some point, like, people are just going to have to realize that, like, because, yeah, it, it, yeah, fucking everyone is moving to New Mexico right now. Um, and at some point, people are just going to have to realize that it's just, like, you're going to have to, like, stop coming here. <laughs> or else, like, the river will dry up. Yeah. For real, for real. Yeah. Um, 
yeah it's quite crazy <laughs> the it's funny because like something that is pre in the before times because this is definitely like a like a post-pandemic situation kind of thing um in the same way that like after world war one there was a huge massive influx of people to new mexico mm. um uh, after like global crisis, a global crisis, people like just tend to, well, they, they try to like escape from, they try to like get a new start, whatever. Anyway. Right. Well, oh my God. Um, I, I can't start on that, but, um, <laughs> uh, but it, it's funny because like, I was talking to a friend of mine from high school and, um, in the before times, it was always weird, like coming back for Christmas and like, like trying to date was weird because like on the dating apps, you would only ever see people that you went to high school with. And it was like really mm -hmm. awful. And I was like, actually, I'm not having that experience so much anymore. I was like, I think it's just because like there's new people. There's just so, so many new people. And so it's, um, yeah. So pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. I really and, feel like it's every other day. It's like someone I vaguely know is like, I'm moving to New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, and then the other, the, the like really awful thing about living in Albuquerque specifically is like, there's always at some at a bar or something I always meet someone who's just like oh yeah I moved uh from to Santa Fe from San Francisco or like from New York or I was living here and, and I moved to Santa Fe and they were like actually you know like Albuquerque is better than Santa Fe and I was like yeah obviously like there's such a rivalry there's such a tension like people in Santa Fe really hate Albuquerque and they're so prejudiced against it they're so biased against it and it's like the, like the myth gets perpetuated. And so every, and so people like move to Santa Fe or Taos because they like want to live this like mythologized Southwestern lie. And then they, and like, and, and it gets, yeah. Anyway. And so then they're like, wow, Albuquerque actually is better. I'm like, yeah. Cause I'm like, anyway, it's a more true to life. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's my tirade. <clears throat> And yeah, everybody like in the dating pool is like, I'm a transplant. I just moved here like nine months ago. Anyway, um, I don't think that any of our films in this season, I don't think anybody is, anybody like ends up moving, right? Mm. Talented Mr. Ripley, do, does anybody like live there? American in Paris, he has, he has moved. Oh, he's an expat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like unclear how long he's going to stay. I think is the question is if he can make it work. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, well, that's a good se segue. Yeah. <laughs> we start a little joyful. This sweet. Is it all sweet? I don't know. But yeah, I was I out of control like from there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, though American in Paris does get a little nutty. Um, <laughs> which is, it's such a great movie, I think. I really actually enjoyed it watching it for this um, podcast this time than I think I have enjoyed it in the past. Gene Kelly really can dance. Um, there's what do you know? I know. Who, who could have said? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, American in Paris, I, I mean, I feel like you can probably talk a little bit more about this, but it seems like a milestone in like movie musicals um sort of like a modernist bridge it came out in 1951 mm -hmm. stars gene kelly gene kelly is a 
a World War II veteran who has decided to move to Paris after being there during the war. And he wants to be an artist. He's a painter. So he's trying to make it work. He's like a starving artist. He goes up to Montmartre to sell his paintings. I can't say it. You know, I can't. Um, And I don't know. It's great. And then, of course, he falls in love. With of course yeah um yeah something that i was thinking about again this is like sort of the same um idea as well whatever uh that's a tangential thought but um the shadow of world war one like really looms in so many fucking <laughs> films <laughs> of this time obviously um and i was just like wow this is like the covid art <laughs> of like how everybody is making like pandemic art right now and like movies are going to be just like fucking infected for the next like two and a half decades <laughs> I feel like <laughs> um and just in the same way that World War II is like a heavy shadow um informs every single plot line kind of thing because like even um it sort of has like a Casablanca it echoes Casablanca with like this love triangle between like a woman who is like in love and indebted to some person who like saved her from world war ii from the horrors of world war ii exactly yeah like her yeah like her parents are were french resistance in the french resistance and he took her in when they got um captured and i guess killed like not (laughs) (laughs) you don't know anything about what happens so he it's also very creepy this is not gene kelly's character this is a french singer that um Jean's, Jean Kelly's character is in a love triangle with this girl. Um, and the French singer has like, yeah, taken her in and has known her since she was like a young teenager. Oh. And <laughs> um, now they're in love. Uh, now that she's like, I don't know, 19 or something. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, sounds like a captive. Sounds like a captive. Sounds very French. Um <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, so I think it's Kelly's character is American. He is a friend who's a composer and a pianist who's American. And then every, a a good, no, that's not true. Gene Kelly also gets a patron who's maybe, I don't know, British? Unclear with that accent or just high society American (laughs) in the forties. It's hard to tell. Uh, (laughs) It's hard to tell that accent is like, like the blue blood American accent. I know. Where are you from? Um, (laughs) But she becomes his patron, is interested in him. So it is a lot like Gene Kelly trying to find his way, um, trying to be, get some success. Like he's confused about, I think, how much ambition he actually has. Um, and like what he wants to do. <laughs> That's a, a funny way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it does seem like, okay, it's post-war Europe. There's like a sense of like, okay, now we can be free. You know, like now we can go find ourselves, be free, find love. Um, and like the freedom is really tied up in, in finding and love. um and breaking yeah yeah, barriers yeah there's um well it's interesting um there's a sort of renaissance in the european holiday and the european getaway and because um 
Europe is rebuilding uh, in this time. And so it's sort of like, I don't know, it's, it's also sort of this interesting, like, this is the time where America really comes out as like the global superpower. Um, and for a number of reasons, winning the war um, or like ending it. Um, and also because of what was happening, like the U S dollar became the global currency at Mm. the time because Europe was collapsing. Um, and so with the, with Americans like patronizing Europe, um, yeah, it like becomes this, um, I don't know. I, I just started having this thought like as we started talking right now, but, um, so, so it's not super refined, but it's, it's Americans versus Europeans taking a holiday is so different. And it feels like there's an, there is like this uh, schedule that you have to adhere to, or like, it's, it's like Americans approach the holiday as like a duty because it's Mm. just like, um, or that's like the subconscious feeling. It's like, it's our duty to like go and like, spend our money not not that they're doing it out of like this moral like we need to save the european economy or anything like that but it's just sort of like it's a personal entitlement like uh, i worked so hard and like i get to like travel around the world now kind of thing or like i should see the world and like um i don't know it's it, it yeah it's it seems like it's um seems compulsive semi-compulsive and then and then also the side effect is like yeah american like tourist economies like really bolster bolster coastal towns in in europe after it after such a collapse um and then and then it becomes like this this story or this narrative um becomes integral to it becomes a one of the main like narratives in american film because it just is because it's such a part of life yeah yeah totally and i think actually one kind of really interesting point in the movie is that gene kelly's love interest who i'm forgetting that actress's name um (laughs) um Uh, and in a folk yes yeah okay um and her other love interest his rival is going like going to move to the US and go on tour because that's where he'll really get success. Like he's successful in France, but like now he's breaking out as a global sensation. Um, and so like US becomes like, that's definitely not a vacation. Um, yeah. It, it's the opportunity for like financial um, gain versus like Gene Kelly is living the like very romanticized life of a starving artist yeah that is interesting um as a reflection of um or or reflected in that is now in these times um in these post-global crisis times um although i don't think that we're post it because now i don't think now there's like another world war like we're on the edge of one anyway this there's like a there's been a lot of discourse recently about like people with email jobs moving to Mexico (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah, and, um, and just like, what does that mean? Just like people are, I mean, you know, like there's a lot of, um, I'm, I, 
am cynical and distrustful of a lot of like mainstream media, but, and so, so it's just like mainstream media is reflecting like it, it, they're saying that it definitively means bad things, um, that there's so much influx of people into Mexico. Um, Mm. but I think that the larger, the larger question is just like, what does this mean now? Like, um, this influx of like people into not a European country, not a, not a North American country kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting there is like, and, and what I've heard what I've, from what I've read, it's sort of like there's people coming from America to work their remote jobs um, mm-hmm. in Mexico and live in Mexico. And like they see it as an opportunity to like migrate across the border. But then people trying to do the reverse, it's like they have to cross the border because they will not survive due right. to like, and it's not just Mexico, it's also people in Central America as well. Um, like they have to cross the border to survive and it's increased. And it's like, it's increasing becoming increasingly harder to cross that border kind of thing. And so, yeah, there's also like, um, interesting threads in this, as we set up this whole idea of like the European holiday, there's, um, it's, it's hard to ignore the under these underlying threads about what it means to like to cross borders and to go and like, what does it mean for a non-American who wants to go to America in a newly established global superpower, because I think that prior to the world wars, um, America was this like land of opportunity for sure, because it was like an interesting, it was, it was this experiment and it was like this, um, like manifest destiny, mm-hmm. maniacal situation that was just like overtaking this huge continent. Right. And then and it was this opportunity, but then it like fully established itself as like the superpower. And so then you sort of, yeah, like if you're from Kosovo, you got it. You feel like you have to move to America because of, because that's where the opportunity lies. Whereas like then if you like travel to Croatia as an American, like that's your escape. I don't know. There's yeah. All sorts of power dynamics. Mm-hmm. That was rambling. That's because no. I was improving. <laughs> There is like this, um, not just in the content of an American in Paris, but also in the style of it. Like, you know, he's free, like, and it ends with that, like 17 minute long, like dance sequence. (laughs) Um, um, and there's a technicolor and, um, he's wearing great outfits the whole time, (laughs) a little hat, uh, (laughs) but it does. Yeah. It does feel like it's, um. Gene Kelly's options are to try to be a painter in Paris or go back to the U.S. and do something mundane. And those are his, how he feels his two options are, right? Yeah. And that this is like, after the war, a chance to do something different and become a different person. Yeah. Um, And really what that means... (laughs) as movies tell us, is to fall in love. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, it is. Yeah. Love is all you need. Um, I do think. Yeah. And and yeah, it's the same thing that's happening now. People are like the mass resignation or whatever. There's something about a crisis that really makes you question (laughs) what you're doing with your life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. but yeah, I think that it's, 
And it's, and it's also interesting this, um, what I like a lot about Americans abroad stuff is there is the focus and appreciation on the art and culture of Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, there's something, what I, what I appreciate about an American in Paris and him like striving to be a painter. I do appreciate that there's like a a subtle implicit rejection of like the cutting edge avant-garde modernism in America. Hmm. Um, because I don't know. And, and you see this in call me by your name as well, because like they're studying, uh, like antiquity. Antiquity. yeah. And, um, and I do, I do like that because it's, it's sort of, uh, well, like American modernism was a psyop by the CIA. Right. So like, so <laughs> it was, <laughs> it's like declassified now. Like you can read how the CIA like funded Jackson Pollock to like <laughs> a little Jasper Johns getting it. <laughs> Getting those um, the CIA is like, yeah, please do burn the flag, Jasper Johns. We need to look good. Anyway, I'm, <laughs> I'm like winking into the camera. Um, but yeah, so like it's modernism is like propped up by this weird like Cold War propaganda. Um, like America needs to assert itself as um, being a frontier a frontier country in every sense of the word. You need to like break the fi- go to the final frontiers of like art and culture, and um, and so it's just so so then the role that Europe plays is like okay but this is like the foundation of western culture Mm. um through art and through the arts the fine arts um so yeah that's just another observation that I had that's a really good point because thinking about it with like Jane Kelly like selling his paintings he's doing something that's like a generation prior to him like yeah he's like following in the footsteps of Picasso but Picasso was doing that yeah 15 like years ago yeah, yeah yeah 20 years before so it's like hmm <laughs> a little little outdated Gene yeah <laughs> yeah and um yeah and it, and it is I I question that like why would you like why can't you just be a starving artist in New York City in 1951. Yeah. Um, why go to Europe? But it's because you want to like be a part of that scene, <laughs> that history, that scene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, I guess maybe moves us into our other movie for this for this episode. Call me by your name. <laughs> Um, which also is like an American coming to study art antiquities, like we said. Um, oh my gosh, wait, interruption. I see your note in the document that's like sweating in Europe. <laughs> you really, you really do want to talk about sweating, <laughs> especially in Call Me By Your Name. I yeah. feel like there's a lot of sweat. Well, actually, <laughs> I will make this point there should be more sweat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's my argument against the argument is there's not enough, not enough sweat. There's a lot of swimming, but they're just sweatier. Yeah. Army hammer has like a glisten. However, he doesn't have like sweat stains on his shirt. No, I know. And they're biking all around. Um, 
yeah, there's like, no, it's really the dramaturgy is not great because it's just like, okay, you expect me to believe that they're like doing all this shit, like biking around and like, and like also fucking and that there's no sweat stains on their clothes. No, come on. I know. It's just not very realistic. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I, I didn't buy it. So yeah, I agree with you. There's not enough sweat. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> You also have a note that says the aesthetics of Merchant Ivory film. What is Merchant Ivory? Oh, Merchant Ivory is, I think you would call it a, a production cover. James Ivory, who adapted the screenplay actually for um, for Call Me By Your Name and helped produce it. Um, and someone merchant, I actually don't know his name, <laughs> uh, <laughs> made all of these like really classic um, British film adaptations um so they definitely did like a room with a view oh um i believe they did the version of uh brides had revisited um like and they're like a lot of times i think in the 70s through the 90s um or 80s through the 90s and they have this really like sort of soft um, like really warm quality, really beautiful. Like the way the yeah, light definitely is. A vibe. Yeah, yeah. And call me by your name is like, and you, and I read somewhere where uh, Luca Guardadina was like, yeah, like obviously you have ivory, like helping make the movie. Like it's an ode to those films of they're all often European set in either Britain or somewhere else, like along the Riviera. Mm. Um, it's also like, Ivory films do have like this real this undertone of like homoeroticism in them all the time, even though their um, screenplays aren't actually about actually in quotes about that. Um, so that also I think is like an underlying theme, yeah. That he's like pulling on too of like this this film history, um, but they're really beautiful films. Uh, so yeah, you got I, I feel like it's like a whole like film language that he is like using. Interesting. Yeah. Um, And to me, those are like, oh, these are like British summer films. You know, like that's kind of how they they feel. Um, Yeah. Actually, I think that that's what I was picking up on when I was like thinking about like, what should we? Yeah what what should be on the syllabus <laughs> right no exactly um, like it's very like very merchant ivory <laughs> yeah interesting um it's like one main mood board many different films that he produces exactly okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's ismael merchant and james ivory okay and he, merchant died in 2005 they made 45 films usually on Henry James, Ian Forrester. Um, So most of them are adaptations and they have like all the big British actors. Yeah. Especially like young versions of them. (laughs) Yeah. Howard's End, they might not have done, I could be wrong about then Brideshead Revisited. It might've been Howard's End that I'm thinking of instead. Oh, But- yeah, Brideshead looks a little bit too. It doesn't have that like soft filter. Right. Yeah. 
it doesn't it doesn't have that like yeah like the warm glow and a lot of times the characters themselves are like sort of bourgeois and they're like distressed of something you know like they're like going through some kind of like life depression (laughs) yeah I would say I have no idea how to like describe this in a succinct way but like I don't know I don't know why but I would say that um Pride to Revisit it is sort of like the bridge between a Merchant Ivory film and a Baz Luhrmann film. Wow. Wow. <laughs> like, because like you get this, you get. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> I loved it. Wait, explain. No. Because you have like these older, yeah, British summer movies and like there's sort of this a very soft filter I don't know it's like a synesthetic thing that I can't really describe in words like it's like the images are all just soft and the color palette is like warm Mm. and it's still vaguely like period film um like 80s 70s 80s um but then Brides Had Revisited is a period film but you don't have that like um, like it's still very clear that it was filmed in the 21st century. Yeah. Like it's, it's in HD, I guess is how I would describe it. Um, but it's still a period film, but you're like seeing, you're seeing the 1920s era, um, or it's like lost generation, I guess, but you're still, you're seeing that era in, um, high resolution and, it's not you're not seeing it behind this like film camera kind of thing I see and then Baz Luhrmann takes it to the extreme of like garish yeah completely (laughs) garish completely out there and in your face but then there's also like he does a very intentional thing with the pop music um Mm. and he very much captures um like think about the differences between Moulin Rouge and Great Gatsby Moulin Rouge like period film about fantasy but with like very early aughts Christina Aguilera pink yeah. like right. soundtrack yeah. and then Great Gatsby is 1920s with like Beyonce Jay-Z like Anna. 2010 yeah 2010s artists kind of thing and so he very much picks up on um he he picks up on the it's asynchronous in a way that it's like period plus like the time that it's actually being made in mm-hmm. the soundtrack and so yeah whereas like Call Me By Your Name like it's the the soundtrack is 80s and it's like 80s plus Sufjan. Uh, yeah plus Sufjan yeah <laughs> Sufjan is just there for the vibes too I guess yeah. but like but it's very like Italian discotheque yeah that is very that is very true I would also say me and maybe I haven't seen enough but just my Merchant Ivory feels very also warm to its characters like it's very sweet to them and I actually don't think call me by your name is <laughs> it's like a little more yeah. like closed off hmm. to the characters not saying that you don't get a good sense of them but I don't think it's like you know like warmly encasing them of like so sweetly you know yeah but that also could just be army hammer <laughs> and how I perceive him on screen yeah so. yeah <laughs> Oh my god. Um Yeah, it's uh I guess it's just sort of Well, say more about 
like another film where the characters are treated sweetly. Well, I, I think of I Love a Room with a View. And there are characters in that who are not, who are silly mm-hmm. or like maybe not even dumb, but like not great. But <laughs> um, like, you know, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's character is like a huge annoying snob and he is a huge annoying snob in the movie. Yeah, But it also is like sort of kind to him especially in the end and like I don't know there's a real gentleness to the way the characters are treated um even when they're not necessarily like good or like people or even the main characters and I felt like call me by your name's a little colder Hmm. to its depiction of the characters Hmm. I don't know if that makes sense but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I can see that um I feel like there is like tenderness in the in the the scene where Timothy Chalamet is talking to his dad mm-hmm. and his dad is like here's how to like like make your gayness fake or like hide yeah. your gayness kind of thing and I felt like that was tender but but it is sort of like brutal um like the peach scene <laughs> It's like not sweet. It's just like vulgar. No. It's, not. Um, uh, yeah. it's very vulgar. Uh, I would say like that last chunk of the movie when he's like talking to his dad till the very end where he's like looking into the fire, looking into the camera, crying. Yeah. Like that is incredibly tender. I actually think that's probably my favorite part of the movie mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. when Army Hammer left it. <laughs> The, the, that part, um, <laughs> uh, Susie's butt was just like in frame that entire time <laughs> you were saying that. If it, yeah. Um, that part was also like, uh, speaking of this like through line of going to Europe post World War II, that was super World War II y because he like uh-huh. goes to the train, and, like, you know, they like have Sees their one last thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah oh oh that movie is so brutal it's so sad um when I speaking of European trips when I was in London in August this was like three years ago I uh the plane didn't have wi-fi and and I didn't like download any playlists from like Spotify or whatever. And I didn't have any music on my actual phone. The only thing that I had downloaded on Spotify was the call me by your name soundtrack. So I just listened to that on repeat for the entire like five hour flight. (laughs) It was uh, ridiculous. Anyway. um, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, In in like juxtaposition to American in Paris, which is like the freedom, call me by your name definitely deals more with the repression, I guess. Yeah, element severe. And even when they do find like moments to be free, um, it's always in contrast to like you know Army Hammer isn't staying. You know, like you know he he's gonna go back to live a closeted life in the United States. Um, 
And so like, this is his moment of escape, Mm -hmm. I guess, Mm -hmm. but yeah, you, you see, it's a very contained freedom again with like Americans abroad rather than Americans living abroad expats. Yeah. Um, the expats gain the freedom and the, um, but the, the travelers like just experience, like they go to experience the freedom and then they have to go back to the repression. Repression. Um, (laughs) And then I guess at the same time, like, um, you know, Timothy Chalamet's character is also just trying to figure out even what he wants. Like, there is like, this is a coming of age story um, for him. They're also like, that's their summer house. Yeah. So it is also like he's on vacation of a certain kind. Yeah. do they live in France the rest of the year? I never really understood where they usually I are. didn't understand it either. I thought that... I didn't understand it either. I thought that they were in America for the... Like, I thought that the dad taught in America, but like... Maybe. I, I should just read the book. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're in Northern Italy in this... Right, like right. ish somewhere. Right, which uh, borders France, so they have... Yeah, and isn't his girl is is she's French? Yeah, she's French. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah, there's just like again this. Well, that's sort of like part of the vibe too. Is like Americans versus Europeans abroad. Like they're in that summer house and they encounter and they know French people because French people. It's just like a train right away that they like go to the Italian coast and um. And it's just like, yeah, there's, it's nothing to cross the border in the European Union. Right. Um, There's, yeah, like there isn't like this like stark cultural divide. It's like, we're all like French Italians, you know, like we're basically. Right. You know, we all cross the border um, in some way. Right. They are. Go go for it. I was thinking in a different direction. No, no, go do it. It is. They're very bougie. Yeah. And this movie, this movie feels very, very bougie. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's something about like, um, and again, with this, like studying art in Europe or whatever, yeah. um, like in America, art is purely utilitarian. America is a tool for imperialism and colonization, as we saw with the CIA modernist PSYOP. <laughs> Um, and so like Europe is like very, uh, disrespected and like very defiled in America. It's like art is not able to like be a freely flowing expression in Europe. Um, therefore like studying art in Europe, there's, there's credence given to studying like art history specifically. And whereas like, there's no, like I feel like in America there's, and this might be, I don't know, this might be just me being crazy. I don't know. Maybe we should just, whatever. But in America, it's like, there's a lot of funds given to art practices and artists and stuff. And it's like, yeah, you should make your work. And like, we're going to commission this mural or we're going to commission this like piece of public art kind of thing. And everybody loves the artist. Everybody loves to fetishize the artist here in America. And it's again, because like, it's a tool for like Mm -hmm. asserting Western Americanized aesthetics onto the rest of the world. 
Um, but the minute that you say you want to, and again, I'm obviously clearly bitter and sensitive about this because I have an art history degree, but the minute that you say you want to like study the history of art and the minute that you want to say like, oh, well, I want to be a curator, like there's the, the, the door is closing on like the need. There's always going to be a need for curators, but the door is closing on like this need for curators because they're just like, because again, like art, it really shows that there's a deprioritization of actual culture. It's just a priority Mm -hmm. of like getting the visual, the aesthetic out into the world. Um, And you also see that in a lot of rhetoric um, in politics that it's coming from both sides. It's just like, why would anybody need to get like a liberal arts degree? You should just like go become some, the, at first it was like become a construction worker and like actually, or like an architect or like serve your, your people and now it's just like become a tech software engineer um and as a result of that studying art history becomes superfluous becomes privileged Mm -hmm. you have to be a certain type you have to be in a class a certain class to study to study that um and yeah that's why it's bougie because it's like it's it's seen as this like excess discipline they are fancy though. <laughs> <laughs> like her family's rich. They come and like, oh, right. like hello, we're rich. Um, but right. yes, I agree. Uh, yeah. And there is like a lot of like leisureness, you know, like the whole, the whole movie is like, you know, Timothy Chalamet, like just suntanning or jumping yeah. in the lake, you know, like, yeah. yeah. You know, and it's just like, seemingly what you assume it's like his last, his last summer, you know, mm-hmm. like his, mm-hmm. his last free summer. Actually, I did have a question for you, not to take it too off. Well, I think it kind of relates. <laughs> Much has been said, and I've talked to people about it too, of like how uncomfortable they were with the age dynamics between Timothy Chalamet's character and Army Hammer's character. Um so Timothy Chalamet is supposed to be 17 in the movie. And I guess Army Hammer's character is supposed to be 24, which 24. Yes. Which, so, you know, like legally, Timothy oh, Chalamet he, is, yeah. you know, the relationship is consensual legally where they are. But yeah, Army Hammer's, at least in the novel, I guess he's like 24. Army okay. Hammer obviously is not yeah. 24. I, I thought that he was like in undergrad though, but I guess he's in a graduate school program. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I think okay. he's getting like a master PhD or something. Okay. Um, but Army Hammer's obviously like 30, you know, like he's yeah. like 30 yeah. year old actor. Timothy Chalamet was like 21, but they do. And I, I will admit like they do really make Timothy Chalamet's character sort of childish you know like he cuddles with his parents and he like, loses his virginity at the very beginning so he's still young right. enough to be a virgin right exactly and so i do i guess i get like the i do get the like uncomfortableness of like because army hammer does not look if he was look 24 maybe this would be different but he did not look 24 <laughs> yeah yeah well and i think um yeah i think that people are a bit dialed in to that conversation at the moment and so that's going to make it seem that's going to make the age difference be seem more uh obvious um and but also I think that there was probably something going on in the like 
um, because they're studying antiquity. Yeah. And, like mm-hmm. pederasty, it was like completely normalized in the same way that homosexuality yeah. was n- not anything to notice or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's like into almost into in institutionalized there we go (laughs) institutionalized mary had a stroke uh Uh, we got it out um yeah so that that kind of relationship it yeah totally echoes and and they do make all of these references to to that um with the the statue they uncover and the men's Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the beautifulness of men's bodies like very you know very classical Greco mm-hmm, mm-hmm. ideas and, around sculpture and beauty. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the, um, they're clearly like aesthetically worshiping bronze age, um, Greco Roman style. And then I think that that is a, like, um, I think that that's just echoed again. In, I, it's another part of that plot of like, an older man, yeah. younger boy, um, kind of thing. And he, they do have conversations about it. Like army Hammer's, like, I'm nervous that I'm corrupt. Like I'm like doing damage to you. Yeah. Um, and he is kind of a domineering character. Yeah. Um, but it was also, it's also the eighties. <laughs> and I and also it, that's such a piece of the formula for coming of age. Yeah, it's like you're being um, you're you're being like initiated into something by an older person. Doesn't it's not part of every coming of age story, of course, but like, but it is a lot. Yeah, and it not and you know I think not always it's not always a fully good thing. You know, yeah. I think in yeah. this too, like for there's sure. there is a question of like who was being taken advantage of, you yeah. know, and, and, and if it leaves more scars then it, you know, like, yeah. And it really helps someone come into mm-hmm. their own. Mm-hmm. Um, there is lots of bike riding in this <sighs> movie that to change the topic completely that did make me want to go bike around Europe. Like I know in this movie, I will say it does make you want to like, go off and like yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm coming Italy like <laughs> where's my Italy so much where's my bike <laughs> I've never been <laughs> yeah it made me it yeah the FOMO was real for sure um also in normal people in the adaptation of normal people they like bike around Italy as well and it's like very much like a big a big part of it well and again i think that it's that's part of the escape situation too um yeah because and like this goes for definitely like normal people it's irish people going to uh traveling but um um but like the uk and ireland are both sort of like america in the way that they're just like these globalized completely globalized metropolis centers um devoid of unique uh culture but anyway uh <laughs> Um, but, and so, yeah, the whole like bike riding thing is just this, like, yeah, you can escape from cars and everything is a much slower pace. It like totally fetishizes, fetishizes like the country, mm-hmm. the cottage core, if you will. 
The cottage um, court, by the way, I have been getting nonstop Instagram ads for fucking six spells. Um, <laughs> they know they targeted me. Surprisingly, I've avoided that. I, it just started happening. So, and naturally I clicked on the link because I was like, how's, how's six balls doing? Um, <laughs> how's that fictional English town? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's just, you know, something about like people just want to escape into the slower life, mm-hmm. being able to bike everywhere. Um, being able to like, you only buy groceries for what you need that day kind of thing. So you just like take it in a sack back on, back home on your bike. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. All about the great escape. Mm -hmm. One really interesting plot point of not pop character point of the movie. Um, that I, I don't know if I have like anything to say about it, but I thought it was interesting, the conversations they have around Judaism. Um, oh, yeah. Because they're they're both Jewish. Yeah. Um, but Army Hammer's character is like, oh, you, is, is essentially like, you don't really celebrate or like you, you don't really practice. Um, and Timothy Chalamet's character is like, yeah, like we're Jewish, but we're also like, I don't know, like we're like French, Italian, American, and like, yeah, we don't really, yeah, we don't really have like a, a, a strong faith. Um, meanwhile, like Army Hammer is always wearing like a Star of David necklace. And he was like, oh, you should be, you should be more open about it. Like you should be more open. And then the film closes and are they still celebrating Hanukkah? Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which I thought was like very curious. Like, I don't really understand. It was interesting that it was like, oh, you guys are repressed in your, in your faith. (laughs) I think that, yeah, I think that that is just another example of this like waspy, uh, like British American situation. And like, and the wasp work ethic is, um, is like definitely a thing. Like wasps are so austere and they just work. That's all they know how to do. They just want to work. And then you have like French, Spanish, Italian, Roman Catholics who are like the Roman Catholic is like much more leisurely. Mm-hmm. So that's how I've always seen that sort of like dynamic. When you talk about Judaism, though, it is um, it is sort of curious. And I don't really know. Is the author of Call Me By Your Name Jewish? I swear I looked it up and I think yes. Um, Andre Ackerman. Yeah. Asiman. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> um, I do believe he is. He's, uh, oh, interesting. He's an Italian American born and raised in Egypt. Interesting. He teaches, he teaches at, at the graduate center at CUNY where he teaches the history of literary theory and the works of Marcel Proust. He previously taught at NYU, Princeton, and Bard College. Wow, damn. Um, grew up in Alexandria, Egypt. Yeah, his parents are are Jewish. Interesting. Yeah, so I don't know how that like totally 
how, how that totally fits in, but because I've always seen that dichotomy between like Roman Catholic, um, leisure attitude versus wasp, like work attitude. Right. And it seems like, but then when you throw Judaism into it, there's obviously the pressure of assimilating because of, Mm -hmm. um, because of how, because of oppression. So. Yeah. And I just thought it was interesting that they kind of make this like almost distinction between like his American Judaism and like his European Judaism or, or maybe it's like a cultural distinction of like his, his class and race or, or, or faith. I mean, um, and, and where that falls, I don't know. I thought it, I feel like that was kind of left ambiguous in a movie. Um, uh, I was, I had the Wikipedia page open <laughs> and I noticed something, someone was comparing him to, um, this Andre Ackman, uh, comparing him to Gabriel Garcia Marquez. And I was like, what? It was, um, his memoir mm. out of Egypt is hmm. compared to Garcia Marquez. Interesting. Um, I think that that's the other thing too. There's like a big that's that's why these like <sighs> forever my soapbox uh <laughs> um there's another this this other like sort of subtle colonizing dominating imperialistic mm. attitude toward spanish french like coastal towns like european like the wasps are the ones who like the the people with the work ethic are the ones who um are the ones who like support and make sure that like Europe has its, I don't know. There's just an attitude like this, like mm-hmm. turned up nose sort of like bougie attitude toward like, well, I have the work ethic and I'm working for a living and I am like supporting the global economy. And b- because I do that, then I can like go to Europe where these people like are lazy and lackadaisical and don't care. And um, there's, yeah, that subtle, um, attitude as well yeah uh yeah yeah was that is the case in um a room with a view it's not or it is no it is because they're they're in florence as well and they're british they're in like a weird british guide like a home like the house they live in is like or the house they're staying in is like all british travelers and and there's like she has this long conversation she's like the italians are so curious one moment they can be so sweet so welcoming and the next they're violent and because she had just witnessed a murder (laughs) um (laughs) like so puzzling like it, it that I mean that movie and book are all about repression, but yeah, um, yeah, it's like it's really funny. I love this one. They're like the Italians; they're so warm-blooded, you know. <laughs> Holy shit! Um, you know, uh, I had I had an epiphany just a few seconds ago, um, and and talking, thinking about how this like like there's a certain, there's a schism in Western culture where there's like the people who are utilitarian and they just like see, and the Americans, uh, the waspy Americans like see art as this like tool 
to further advance the American agenda. But then, um, and, and then like the study of the interpretive study of the culture is like seen as superfluous or excessive. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just like, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, okay, but you wouldn't have like these, um, uh, these, this culture, this Western culture and like the antiquity and the Renaissance, um, sprang forth from a Catholic faith, like a Christian, a Christian faith that is like extremely ritualized. And I would even say a Judeo-Christian faith. I mean, mm-hmm. you really can't like separate, um, a lot of the, the visual themes at least. Yeah. Certainly. Um, and also just the fact that like Christianity is in terms of ritualization, Christianity is super close to Judaism, just not, not the rituals themselves, but like the adherence and like the veneration Mm. of rituals. Um, and whereas like on a more like Anglo-Saxon kind of way, um, you have like, it's, 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 yeah, it's just this, like, well, we are the ones we're like the, the, the workers. And like, we are the ones who are like progressing society actually. And like, we're creating this utilitarian whatever. And, um, and so, and that's also where this like class divide comes into, because it's just like, well, we're just here to like, like the, on the, the European coastal cities, like we're just here to like enjoy life. And we just like create beauty because we have a love beauty and it doesn't serve any agenda. It is like there for us kind of thing. And like, whatever and then you have like the austerity of like we're gonna like actually progress society forward I don't know I think that there's it those are the two attitudes Mm. that are at play um and and because you're not and 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 then like art for art's sake because is seen as elitist and excessive because it's not furthering the like technological progression of civilization and so there's, yeah, and it, and it trickles down into this, like, cultural bias. Um, yeah. Hmm. I'm never going to work again. That's what yeah. I took away from that. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't want to work either. Ever My again. people don't want me to work. <laughs> um, there is that, yeah, yeah, there's, like, it's it's funny in New Mexico there's it's so I mean like the unofficial motto is land of manana and like everybody just like doesn't they don't do shit and like um and I think it's and but it's like a Hispanic thing it's like Mm. definitely this like very Spanish the Spanish influence um and but but New Mexico the reason it took New Mexico a long time to become a state is because like the congress actually like rejected the congress in the 1800s rejected New Mexico's like petition for a constitution because they were like we don't want Catholics in our country kind of thing it was at the same time when they were like super against the Irish and so they were like we're against Catholics get out of here I I think about that um joke all the time that people have been making about abortion and the Congress and, you know, like, well, in the Constitution, it doesn't say this, you know, like the Supreme Court being like, hey, we have to go back to what the founding fathers wanted. And it's like, if the founding fathers came back today, they wouldn't be like, you guys are getting abortions. They'd be like, you have Catholics on the Supreme Court. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I have seen that around. It's pretty funny. It's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Um so much cultural divide so much (laughs) um 
Well, I guess that wraps up this first episode. I will say like, I am sweating in oh. my apartment. I feel like <sighs> this episode got Yay. to me. It is, it is still summer. It's it still is summer still summer for another like month and a half. Yeah. Enjoy it while we can. I always feel like at this point in the summer, I'm like, oh, summer's fucking over and I get really depressed. But we got like, we got another month. Still time. There's still time. Um, yeah. Summer's not over until it's over. Even even Labor Day, like, oh, my God, that's a whole other tangent, too. Like this idea of like, I mean, because because Labor Day, obviously, for the workers, but like, but also the fact that that is like, OK, that's the end of summer. I don't know. The fact that Labor Day is like at this like end of summer point. <laughs> Get back to work. <laughs> Hatch or break, people. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So we'll be covering more movies. Um more Luca Guadagnino movies yeah and things get subtly more twisted and dark as we go along (laughs) yeah not so uh rosy and romantic later on (laughs) Americans (laughs) being creepy being creepy and what happened the consequences of their escape (laughs) yeah the consequences yeah um okay cool Thanks, Mary. (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad we're back. Yay. The return. (laughs) Bye.